You're listening to a podcast, the Ellie Castro Show. I am Ellie Castro. And I am Emelin Ramos. We are coming live from Paris, France, where we started the vacation off predictably enough by going to Le Louvre. Now, Le Louvre, which I love saying, is a um, famous museum in Paris, France, and it was on Emmeline's uh, to-do list number one. Well, because I wanted to see the Mona Lisa. I felt like that's like a bucket list item. So I needed to see the Mona Lisa. But then I thought to myself, there has to be something else in there that I want to see, right? And I found something else, the Venus de Milo statue. You're saying that because the Mona Lisa was predictably disappointing, right? Well, I had heard people tell me that it was a small painting on a very big wall and that it was going to be surrounded by people trying to take pictures of it. And that is exactly what I encountered. And that is a little disappointing, but at least I saw it, you know? No, no, I, I don't. Because I, I could have done without the lines. I could have done without the crowds. Le Louvre, this museum is huge. It is so big, you get lost just trying to get out. Well, it has like three main entrances. So you have to figure out like what entrance you want to get into in order to see what you want to see. Right, because it's like uh, if you go that way, it's like boring sculptures. If you go the other way, it's like boring paintings. And if you go the other way, it's like boring paintings and sculptures. So my main goal was to get to the Mona Lisa. So we just went in and went straight for it. So how was it? So what's your overall uh, assessment slash review of Le Louvre? The Louvre was more modern than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be really old on the inside and because all these old paintings and sculptures, but it is very modern and updated on the inside, which is uh, very surprising. And I really appreciated that. I didn't feel like I was in an old museum. Okay, that's uh, that's a nice review. Uh, my review would go like this. One star. Just skip it and Google the images. Now, uh, uh, the first day we were here, when we checked out La Louvre, on our way to the museum, you got some unfortunate news. Uh, yes. So, on the first day we were here, I found out that my grandmother, my mom's mom, who uh, lives in Puerto Rico, passed away. And uh, she was my l last grandparent that was living. And I know she had been sick for a long time, and we attempted to try to get her out of Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. Unfortunately, we couldn't because of her health. And um, she did pass away uh, the first day that we were here in Paris, uh, which was very unfortunate. But my family told me, you know what? Don't worry. Enjoy your vacation. She's good now. She's in a better place. And I really, truly believe that she is. So Now, you weren't able to go to the funeral in Puerto Rico, obviously, because we're in Paris. But why don't you um, eulogize your grandmother right here? And in podcasts, so that people understand uh, not just how you felt about her, but the kind of woman that she was. Go ahead. So my grandmother was a warrior. She was a fighter. She was a hardworking woman. She did not know how to read and write, but uh, nobody could pull one over on my grandmother. She was feisty. Yeah, I think if anything, my, if I could say, use one word, would be feisty. My grandmother could cut you with her words, and you didn't even know it was coming. Um, and she was just a homemaker and a loving person and somebody um, of faith, and she would give to people that didn't have who were less fortunate than her. And she raised nine children basically on her own because my grandfather did a lot of traveling. Uh, my grandmother was definitely a warrior and someone who persevered despite um, all her circumstances and all her, the obstacles that she faced in life. So for that, I am grateful to have had her in my life and um, to have had my mom have her in her life. I think that's the best description of her. She was very feisty. At her age, in her delicate condition, she could probably uh, beat me up. Yo le tenía miedo. 
I mean, yo le pide la bendición, right? When we would go visit, I'd be la bendición, and then I would flinch if she moved because she was she was one tough lady. Ah, bendición, abuelita. I love you. I'll see you soon. Bendición. We capped off the first day by going to visit the Eiffel Tower at night, uh, which is always a, a beautiful sight because the, it lights up like a Christmas tree every hour. But you were there for a very specific reason. And what reason was that? I probably had to do with food. And I believe it was to eat crepes in front of the Eiffel Tower. Now, I don't like crepes. Can you explain to them what uh, what crepes are? Crepes are like a skinnier version of like a pancake. Very thin, um, soft, um, uh, maybe a little gooey. Um, on the inside, but so good. And I've never had one in the United States. The first time I had one was here. Yeah, yeah, but you're not you're not in it for the pancake, okay? What are you in it for? Why are you eating them? For the Nutella and the strawberries that I put in it. So it looks good, you know, when they're making it, but para mí, it's too um gooey. I actually love them, and I think that they are great. So if you're ever in Paris, you should definitely have a crepe. You can't just have a crepe in the United States and be like, oh, I've had crepes, I love crepes. No, 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 no. You have to come to Paris and have one here and experience it here in front of the Eiffel Tower. Well, that's how you felt about croissants. Because I thought croissants were, you know, croissants anywhere in the world, right? Like, you can come to Paris, like, you can go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a croissant. Until you bought a croissant in Paris, and I tasted it, and I said, what is happening to my life as I chew this croissant, and it changes my life. So I, of course, selfishly, enrolled you in a croissant baking class. So the croissant baking class was literally just an experience in a lifetime like we go into a very french bakery and like in the basement and this uh, chef she just walks us through the process of making croissants and i never realized how extensive and how long the process of this really is so they give you some help with like the day before kind of preparation um but it was an amazing class. And I know everybody was like, oh, so now you're going to make me croissants. Um, I don't think I'm going to be doing that because it's a very long process. I like to eat croissants. I don't necessarily like to make them, but I love to eat them. I don't understand that. I, I enrolled you in that class so you could learn to make croissants um, for us at home. And I think you were just too preoccupied with, you know, just waiting to eat the croissants you guys were making. I don't even think you paid attention. It was funny because the ladies that I was in the class with, they all asked me, so do you like to bake? Are you a baker? And I was like, no, I don't like to bake, but I like to eat. I could have told them that. I could have said, listen, ladies, uh, this one here likes to eat more than she bakes. Can you please keep the croissants away from her so that I can uh, be sure that she's learning how to make uh, them? Pero nene, yo te los hago en casa. I do the Pillsbury Doughboy croissants. That's what we're going to eat at home. I didn't take you to Paris and sign you up in a croissant baking class for you to just, ah, you know what? I know how to make them. Pillsbury Doughboy. Pop open the can. No. So at the end of the class, you came out with uh, quite a few, right? You came out with like six croissants and a chocolate one and a miscellaneous one. And what we didn't take into account is that we were going to a soccer game, uh, PSG, that's the, the Paris football team. And we were walking around the city with this box full of croissants. So we found a homeless person and you just gave him the box. Yes. And before I gave him the box, I ate my last croissant that I needed to eat because I really wanted it. So you had already eaten a croissant at the class. You ate a croissant after the class. And then when I said, you know what, let's give the rest to this homeless person. You said, hold on, let me eat one more. 
Yeah, because I made those croissants. I put a lot of sweat and tears into those croissants. I wanted to taste one more. Besides, I didn't really want him to see me eat it. Like, I didn't want to give him the box and be like, hold on, let me take one. So I ate one like a few blocks before we gave him away. And I said, just in case, I don't want nobody to see me eating them. Yeah, but don't you understand that you may have fooled the homeless guy, but you know God's up there like, oh, look, she's going to give the homeless person the rest of her croissants. Oh, wait, what is she doing? She's taking one back for herself. Like, God's watching you. You understand that, right? God knows how much I love croissants, so I think he's going to forgive me on this one. We went from Paris to Lyon, Lyon, France, which is another big city in France, and I booked us on a three-hour walking tour which seemed like a good idea, except halfway through it, we were dying. I mean, at this point, we had walked all day the day before, all day just to get to Lyon. And now we're like, we were like the reluctant uh, tourists on a tour guide, you know, where the guy would go, ah, let's go up the street over here and uh, let's go up around the hill. And we're like, ah, can you do it? And then just tell us what you see and report back to us. I think the worst part was the stairs. Whenever I saw stairs, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I had the wrong shoes on. And at one point I thought my knee was going to give out when we were coming down these very steep stairs. And I said, um, I don't know about this. I think I'm going to hurt myself. There are a million and a half stairs in every city in Europe. Okay. Well, we have to explain that the Airbnb we stayed at our first night was on the sixth floor and it was 109 steps, but it was like a spiral staircase. So not only was it steep, it was like dizzying. So, you know, going up and down, you know, a couple of times we were done. So by the time we got to Lyon, we were absolutely spent. Then we got to our Airbnb and our Airbnb was on the third floor and it had spiral steps. It had like 50 of them. So now we're like done because, you know, when I go to the gym, I work on my upper body, you know, and I run. I don't do squats. I don't do lunges. OK, and it felt like that's all I was doing. Just lunge after lunge after lunge. But that's the thing. I do. I do squats and lunges and that did not prepare me for the, all the amount of stairs that we had to do. No, then that means you weren't doing, you're not doing lunges right, okay? So from now on, okay, let's focus, let's do lunges, lunges. So you're going to supervise me at the gym doing my lunges? Yes, because that is as close as I want to get to a lunge. Toma! By the way, Leon had the place where the two rivers meet. They call it the confluence or something like that. That's where we took the famous picture where I did not propose, where I got it down on one knee and tied your shoe. And apparently uh, social media went nuts because a lot of them, you know, don't read the caption of the picture or don't really look. And they were like, oh, my God, it happened. It happened. And then they read the caption. They go, I hate him. I hate him. I think it was a great picture, by the way. But, you know, we're good. We're good. We don't need to get engaged to travel. We don't have to travel necessarily. To, when that happens, it happens. We're right here just enjoying ourselves and living life. OK. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Now, here's the thing about Lyon. Lyon is not like Paris. Lyon is more French than Paris. So people don't really know English. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're in their turf. Listen, nobody spoke English here. So whenever I went up to somebody, I kind of just said, uh, bonjour. And then I gave them a nice big smile. And as soon as they started speaking French to me, I was like, English? Or I just kept smiling. No, 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 no. You had an attitude when you said it. So no, you you just said it now like with a smile. They would talk French really fast and you'd be like English, like with an attitude, like like you were entitled to them speaking English. You were like English. And I was like, oh my God. So I'd step in and I'd be like, pardon, pardon. You know, babe, we got to try to make the effort, right? 
we got to try to speak their language. And you were like, no, like you put a hand up like English, English, English. Just because they taught you like 10 words in elementary school did not make you like the French expert. Okay. Un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six, sept, huit, neuf, dix. Or deuce. Dies, dies, dies. That's as much as I knew. Oh, and uh, I obviously bonjour and au revoir and, uh, and non je pas, which is I don't know. So I'd always go up to people and be like, uh, bonjour, bonjour. And then they'd be like, that's what it sounded like. And I'd be like, oh, pardon. Non je pas. The whole time I'm here, I'm thinking to myself, why didn't I learn another language when I was younger? Like, okay, I know Spanish. See, but that's that's when I appreciated Spanish because as soon as they start speaking French and they be like blah 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 blah, blah right? I'd be like, oh, entonces yo te puedo hablar español y tú no me entiendes, viste? Ahora los dos estamos perdidos. Tú me hablas francés, yo te hablo español, viste? Y ahora ninguno nos entendemos. Toma. Lyon was also the place where you tried snails. Now, please describe that experience. Um, I didn't think I was gonna do it, but I said, you know what? I may never come to France again, so I think I should just try it. And they serve you like six little snails. Um, and I didn't even, they gave me these weird utensils. They look like forceps, like delivery forceps. You said delivery forceps. Don't you understand that describing eating snails is bad enough? And now you bring in labor and pregnancy and delivery stuff? Well, you kind of have to go in there and pull it out um, because it doesn't come out on its own. Okay, that's enough. You know, um, there's so many other things to talk about. We're wasting our time on this because I should get credit because I had to sit there and watch you uh, extricate, if, if that's even a word, doctor, these slimy things from inside these shells and you were putting stuff on them and eating them. You know what? I would have appreciated if they were slimy. They were not slimy. They were more chewy and grindy feeling. Okay. Well, they look slimy to me because I had my I had my eyes were watery. Okay. Because that's how nasty it was. Um, I ate three of them. I probably should have just had one. I couldn't finish the rest of them. They It was just too much for me. Like the I started thinking about what I was doing and I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm done. But we ate a lot better in Switzerland. We went from Lyon to Geneva, Switzerland. And on the, on the first night, we ate Mexican. Now, that sounds simple, right? We had three tacos and we had uh, chips and guac, right? And the whole meal was $37. Each taco, like a little taco, was $7. So we knew <laughs> that um, we weren't going to eat a lot in Geneva, Switzerland. I just couldn't get over the fact that the food in Geneva was so expensive. Maybe it was because we were eating Spanish food or Latin food and because they have to export it from other places that that's why it was so expensive. But it was ridiculous the amount of money that we were paying for food in Switzerland. Oh, oh, tell them about the um, the trip that we took to Annecy, France, which is a small village in the south of France. Um, to, we had dinner there. We actually left Switzerland uh, to go have dinner at Annecy, France, and you ordered your famous uh, fried fish as an appetizer. I should have known that this was going to go wrong because the fried fish was listed under the escargot and the appetizers. So it said fried fish. So I'm thinking like bites, like a white meat of fish fried in a little batter, and it was going to be yummy. There were going to be like little snacks in my mouth, but no. They brought out like sardine looking fish with eyes and everything and like the gills and I love to eat, but I guess I reached my limit here and I could not eat them. 
you said little snacks in my mouth. <laughs> These were not going to be little snacks in your mouth. These were looking right at you. Like they died with their eyes open. I felt like they were alive and they just dipped them into the frying pan and the oil and then they killed them in there to fry them for me. That's kind of how they were looking at me. And I, I felt guilty. I couldn't I couldn't do it. I was telling you, I was like, you know, um, move him around a little bit because I don't want the guy to get upset because he's still making our hamburger. You know, I don't want to offend him. It was so nasty. You couldn't even get yourself to move them. That's how nasty it was, right? I don't know. Something came over me and I said, I can't. I like fish, but this was on a different level because they were small and they were just kind of looking at me and I felt guilty and I felt disgusted and I, I couldn't. Remember the little fish from Finding Nemo? Like they would they would do like little designs, right, for, for Nemo, right, with an arrow or a ship, right? Or, or, or swim down, swim down. Those are the little fishes that they had fried for Emily, okay? The little silvery fishes from Finding Nemo were sitting on a plate for Emily to eat. Bon appetit. But then we were back in Geneva, and for our last day, we actually had Latin food again, this time arepas. And let me tell you, those arepas were really good. I ha- I told the guy that these ingredients are very fresh, and they were very delicious, and I was very impressed. It was arepas de pernil. Because, you know, we're Puerto Rican, so we're going to have pernil. Some maduros. I always order avocado and cheese because those are my go-to. But they were delicious. And if you're ever in Geneva, Switzerland, we recommend the place. No, no, no. Because then the bill came. It was $55, okay, for two arepas and two drinks. Oh, and tequeños. That's it. 55 Like, do you understand how good a meal can be until you get the bill? And then, como que te cae mal. Then you start thinking, oh, God, you know what? Um, we didn't bring Pepto, ¿verdad? Como que it starts to come up, you know, because you, you don't want to spend that money. So you're like, hey, maybe if I throw a little bit up, do they give me 10% back? So Switzerland uh, seems to follow the honor code a lot because um, we bought train ticket after train ticket and nobody checked it. Nobody wanted to see it. Um, You could leave your car door. We left our car door open and... They don't care. Nobody. Hey, nope. They won't even close it. They just won't even look at it. You know, it's like it's your business. We got to a gas station and we were trying to pay at the machine. Nowhere to pay. We went inside. Hey, we want to pay for the gas. The guy said, just put the gas and then pay later. Put the gas and then pay later. I haven't seen that kind of trust since 1987. Put the gas and pay later. I was like, later. You know what I mean? Like, that's the attitude to be. I wanted to be like, okay, no vemos. I'm going to leave. But he literally just said, pay, pump first and then pay. And I'm thinking to myself, you can't do this where I'm come, where I'm from. You do this in the hood, you're going to lose lots of money if you're the gas, own, gas owner. So let's talk about the Airbnbs we stayed at. Okay, so we talked about the 109 spiral steps that we had to go up and down our first night in Paris. Our second Airbnb was, uh, was in Lyon, right? Our second Airbnb was not that bad, right? Because we didn't have to go up too many steps, even though they were spiral. And it seemed like we were inside a cave, completely dark, right? No lights. We had to use the flashlights del teléfono. But the problem here was that the shower only gave you like three and a half minutes of hot water. So you and I had to fight, you know, for who was going to go first and use the hot water. 
my hair takes priority. So if I had to wash my hair, I was going to go first because I needed that hot water. That's why I was always telling you, Nena, your hair looks fine. It looks fine. It look, oh, my God. It's never looked better. It's never looked better. Pero en serio, who only has water for like three and a half minutes? Like, literally, I couldn't. Be, I was like, oh, my God, he's not going to have any hot water. But I, I need to take a shower. I need to wash this hair. Also, there's something about the towels that we had to use in uh, France and uh, Switzerland. Que aquí, they don't believe in downy. Esas toallas eran tan y tan duras. That they hurt when you were trying to like dry yourself. It was like, like you said, like you could bleed from how harsh and hard they were. It was like um, you either air dried yourself or dried yourself with shards of glass. Okay. That's what I described to her. Like you can't dry yourself too quickly or you'll just come out with gashes. Okay. Just gashes of blood. O sea, te seca, and then when you're done, now you're pouring blood. Okay, so it, it was a, it was like a lose-lose. The funny thing is that you like harsh towels to take a bath, to dry yourself with. No, 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 no. I, I like them rough. Okay, yes, eso bella. But I have found floor mats, okay, up north that are softer than the towels I had to use, okay? Floor mats up north, okay, where, where you're expected to wipe snow off are softer than the towels that I had to use. Well, I think we should introduce Downey to these Europeans because it would really come in handy. Next time we come to Paris, seriously, we'll just pack a bottle of Downey in La Maleta. Now, the next place was the shared toilet. I don't know how we come up with these situations, but seriously, there were two bathrooms in this apartment, but ours only had a shower and a sink. So we had to share the toilet with the owner of the apartment. Apparently, that's just a thing, right? In Switzerland and Geneva, because it's so expensive. Life is so expensive there that they're like, you know, te vamos a dar dos baños, uh, but only one toilet because, you know, it's expensive. You know, in Geneva, everything's expensive. A bottle of soda is $5. A bottle of water is $7. Dos toilets. $10 million. So I'm like, oh my God, we got to share toilet. Está bien, my bad. Maybe I should have read that in the description, but we were booking last minute, so I didn't. I just skimmed through it, okay? I assumed that having our own bathroom would come with having our own toilet, pero no, only a sink and a shower. So basically for me, you know, the shower became my toilet. But that doesn't work for me. So that's why I said, next time if you run into an Airbnb like this, maybe you should consult the hotels and see if maybe we can find a hotel within our price range to attend. Within our price range is the key uh, phrase there. Hotels in Geneva are up to $500 a night. ¿Tú me entiendes? For $500 a night, I will share a toilet with anybody. Emma, I will go to the bathroom with you. ¿Tú me entiendes? We could both be in the bathroom. No importa. I will help you if you need help. For, for $500, deja eso. I will sleep in the bathroom. Luckily, though, um, the Airbnb host, he was never there. We didn't see him anymore except for the first when we got there. And he greeted us and he gave us a key. And then we never saw him again. So at least we were able to say that we could use the toilet um, without being disturbed or without him being around. All right. So some of the things we just don't like about Europe, uh, France especially, is that everybody smokes. Like, when we say everybody, like, even little kids smoke. That's how bad it is. <laughs> you never saw a kid smoke. <laughs> but, but, but I get your point. But the thing is that they haven't really figured out this whole non-smoking smoking section, right? So the smoking section is literally, like, next to the non-smoking section. And you almost want to be like, excuse me, do you understand that the person, the smoker himself can stand there? But the smoke doesn't feel obligated to stay there. So I think that the Europeans have found the secret to like being thin. 
They smoke a lot and they drink a lot. I think that's why everybody's so thin here because you don't see anybody that's overweight here in Europe. No, no. But everybody eats bread. Like you see French bread everywhere. Like everybody's carrying French bread in the street. They're eating French bread in the restaurant. They're, you know, eating it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. People consume bread here like a crazy. Mira, if I were to live here, I would probably gain like 20 pounds within the first week with all the bread I eat here. Bread between French bread, croissants, um, macaroons, the little chocolate croissants, all this bread. I would gain like 20 pounds. 80% of all the menus, okay, in all the restaurants in France, it's all bread. It's croissant with or French bread with. I'm in heaven. Yeah, so maybe that's why they smoke because they got to they gotta smoke off all those carbs. Yeah, I, I could do without the smoking. But speaking of which, we need to get more bread before we leave. Yeah, my son made sure to uh, tell me that that's what he wanted to for us to bring him back from France was French bread. Um, but I, I got a feeling that that's going to be hard to resist, right? I mean, French bread on a long flight, right? It's, it's going to be it's gonna be asking. It's going to be talking. It's going to be whispering in our ear. Ese pan no llega a Orlando. Sorry, baby boy. I, I mean, my intentions were there. I want to bring you back this French bread, but I don't think it's going to make it because I may hold out, pero esta no. Guilty. And that was a podcast, the Ellie Castro Show. I am Ellie Castro. And I'm Emeline Ramos. Mi gente, for more information on my upcoming shows, you can go to EllieCastro.com. That includes shows in Chicago, White Plains, New York, and my upcoming off-Broadway premiere of Made in Puerto Rico. Remember, mi gente, life is so much better when you're laughing. No, 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 no. Life is so much better when you're eating French bread and croissants. Hasta la próxima. Au revoir.